0: be in Ezekiel 33 this morning. Ezekiel 33 verses 1 through 11. If you have a Bible, I would encourage you to turn to it this morning. Just a few short little verses. (coughs) Ezekiel 33 starting in verse 1. That's going to be kind of toward the back of the Old Testament. We'll read through the word, then we will pray. The word of the Lord came to me, son of man, speak to your people and tell them. Suppose I bring the sword against the land, and the people of that land select a man from among them, appointing him as their watchman. And he sees the sword coming against the land and blows his trumpet to warn the people. Then, if anyone hears the sound of the trumpet, but ignores the warning, and the sword comes and takes him away, his blood will be on his own head. Since he heard the sound of the trumpet, but ignored the warning, his blood is on his own hands. If he had taken warning, he would have saved his life. However, if the watchman sees the sword coming, but doesn't blow the trumpet, so that the people aren't warned, And the sword comes and takes away their lives. Then they have been taken away because of their iniquity. But I will hold the watchmen accountable for their blood. As for you, son of man, I have made you a watchman for the house of Israel. When you hear a word from my mouth, give them a warning from me. If I say to the wicked, wicked one, you will surely die. But you do not speak out to warn him about his way, that wicked person will die for his iniquity. Yet I will hold you responsible for his blood. But if you warn a wicked person to turn from his way, and he doesn't turn from it, he will die for his iniquity, but you will have saved your life. Now as for you, son of man, say to the house of Israel, you have said this, our transgressions and our sins are heavy on us, And we are wasting away because of them. How then can we survive? Tell them, as I live the declaration of the Lord God. I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but rather that the wicked person should turn from his way and live. Repent. Repent of your evil ways. Why will you die, house of Israel? Let's pray. Father God, we come to you this morning and I thank you for these good words and I pray God that the Holy Spirit would just speak through me today. I pray that you help us to hear just the message that we need to hear dear Lord. I pray that... You would work on our hearts, dear Lord. I pray that you just would uh, lead us to the cross. I pray that you would lead us to you, dear Lord. I pray that you unite us as brothers and sisters in Christ, that you unite us in a, as a church, dear Lord, that we are about your work, that we are about your business, dear Lord, that, that you are first and foremost in our, in our lives, dear Lord. I pray that you... Change our hearts in the way that they may need to be changed, dear Lord. Open our eyes to things that maybe are in our hearts that we don't see. Open our ears to hear what your word has to say, dear Lord God. Just let the Holy Spirit do a mighty work in you today. God, I pray that you just hide me behind the cross. I pray that you would just humble me, and I pray that you just would just recall to my mind and my heart the exact words of what I need to say, dear Lord, that I don't ramble on, but that I just speak your truth. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. In the context of what is going on here in these verses in this passage of Ezekiel, what had happened is Israel was not doing right. Now that was a pretty common thing in Israel's life. That's what they did, was they did wrong most of the time. And God would send people, all throughout the Bible, God would send his people to uh, warn, let me rephrase that, he would send a prophet, he would send a leader of some type, to warn his people, to lead his people to better things. We don't want to miss that, that God was always trying to lead his people to better things, something bigger, something better. From a place of, of, of evil and badness and all these things that were going on, God was always trying to lead His people to something better. And in the case of Ezekiel, God had called Ezekiel to bring a message to the people. And the message is, is pretty simple in what we, were, we just read to sum it up. God said, look, I'm going to send you to warn the people and say, hey, here are some things that may cause the downfall of your people. And they need to recognize that these things could be serious things that could hinder them. And God says, I'm calling you, and as my watchman, Ezekiel, you have the responsibility to warn the people when there's trouble abroad." And he says, if you don't warn people when there's trouble that is about to come, he says, guess what? Blood is going to be on your hands. He said, you have a responsibility as as the leader that I have put before the people, as the watchman that I have placed before the people of Israel, to warn them when danger is about to come. But God also knows, he knew, he said, look, not everybody is going to listen. And if they don't listen, then their blood is on their own hands. They are accountable for what is going to take place The punishment that is going to come. But God had sent his messenger to warn the people and to lead them to a better place. It was not God's desire to bring judgment and punishment and destruction on the nation of Israel. That was never God's desire. God's desire is never to punish us. God would rather deliver us. God would rather, rather take care of us and lead us from the things in our life we shouldn't be involved in and lead us to something better. But oftentimes, as you read in the Old Testament and read even in the New Testament, oftentimes, when God was trying to do good by the people and for the people, the people's disobedience and the rejection of God led to hard times. And God told Ezekiel, you have to warn the people. Now, I understand kind of the context of what that passage is, but we're going we're gonna to take that theme and that idea and the heart in which God was telling that to Ezekiel, and we're going to put it in our own day and time. On July the 16th, it was a Sunday. Some of you were here at this church. I prepared my message for that day, and sometimes God changes your heart. Sometimes He doesn't give you any warning. And on July the 16th, I was sitting in this chair that's not here, But I was sitting there and all of a sudden I felt God saying, look, you need to warn your people. You need to tell the people to be on guard. I did not know why, but I felt like God and the Holy Spirit telling me, look, you better tell everybody to be on guard because the enemy is on the prowl looking for someone to devour. He's like a roaring lion. We read 1 Peter chapter 5. And I told you guys then, I said, I don't know why God has put this message on my heart. I said, but we as a church need to be on guard for whatever the enemy may try to do. God was trying to get us prepared for perhaps some rocky times that may would come. hadn't been that long ago, just a few weeks ago. I don't know if any of you are familiar with, with the military or not, but there's a, there's a rating system for when, uh, when danger is on the horizon. It's called DEFCON. It stands for Defense Readiness Condition. If you've ever watched the movie War Games before, boy, everything gets bad. They pick up the phone, they call, we're going to DEFCON 4, we're going to DEFCON 3. Every time a situation gets a little worse, the DEFCON scale that we have in our military, it goes up one notch. Now DEFCON 5 means everything is well. DEFCON 5 means there's no imminent threat, there's no trouble, everybody can sleep well at night and relax. Defcon 4 means you better be alert. And that's kind of what we were on July the 16th. I felt like God was saying, you better be alert. You better be on guard. You better not allow the devil to get in and ruin a good thing because he always wants to keep God's people from doing God's work. And so God gives us a warning. But then what happens is we are human beings, and what happens is that that trouble begins to brew. And there begins to be disagreements in church. And typically it's disagreements over small things. But disagreements over small things, church, can lead to big things. And we must be on our guard. We must be on our guard. We have to handle situations rightly. We have to handle situations out of love. And compassion we have to be slow to anger but oftentimes what happens is we just we we fuss and we fight and we feud and we and we and we hinder God's work we hinder what God wants to do and part of that is the system I don't think we have a very good system in churches today and you might disagree but here's the problem with the system is here's what God does throughout the text. Is God brings in leaders to lead the people. And He gives the leaders a vision. And He says, I want you to lead my people. And it's always to something better. It's always to something better. God brought Moses in. This is a good story. You, you're familiar with it, some of you. But here's what happened. The people of Israel were enslaved in Egypt. They had no freedom. They had no rights. They had nothing but to work all day. And did not get paid good for it. And so what God did was He says, I'm going to write, raise up someone. And He brought Moses and He brought His brother Aaron and He brought him to Egypt so that He could lead the people of Israel to something better. And so Moses comes in and through some mighty acts of God, Pharaoh finally relinquishes the people of Israel and Moses, by the power of God, leads the people out of Slavery. They no longer have to be abused. They no longer have to work for nothing. They no longer have to struggle to get by. Instead, God himself has promised and said, I am going to give you something better. I'm going to take you from slavery, and I'm going to take you to a land flowing with milk and honey. Now, not real milk and honey. There might have been some there. But he's talking about a land full of blessing. And here Moses goes, leading the people, leading them out took them from their slavery. Praise the Lord. They should have been the happiest people in the world, right? And they cross the Red Sea. They see the very hand of God split a sea of water in half and they cross on dry land. That's good stuff. That should have been a group of believers right there. And so then, here's what happened. So then they they get across the Red Sea and God God is talking to Moses up on the mountain and everything's going good and boy, the people start complaining. Well, we don't like this new life. We had it better where we were. We, I, I want the old way. I like the old way. I don't want to go to where God wants to lead me that's going to be something better. I want to stick with what I was at. I want to go back into slavery. I want to be comfortable in what I was in. And they begin to complain, oh, Moses, well, God might have sent him to lead us, but... He's been up on that mountain a long time. Let's make another God. Let's make another leader. Let's make somebody else to worship because this God of Moses isn't doing what we want Him to do in the way that we want Him to do it. And the problem was that the people tried to overrule the Lord. Is that the people tried to overrule the one that God had sent to lead them. And all the while, God was trying to get them to something better. He was trying to get them to a better place. He was trying to get them to a place where they were free so many times we have the same problem in our churches today. And so many times God is trying to lead us to something better, but we say, God, I don't want better. I want comfortable. I want to stay where I am, God, because where I am is okay. And I don't have to do anything. And I don't have to change anything. And I want to stay right where I am, God. I don't want to do better for you. I don't want to experience the betterness you have. I don't want to spread your kingdom. I want what I want. And you're taking too long and you're not doing it my way and I want to be back where I was. And what happens is we have churches that don't grow. We have churches that don't flourish. We have souls that are not reached because we're not doing what God is calling us to do because we would rather be stuck in our own ways. And so what happens so many times in churches today is the people that God puts in place, whether it's a pastor or a leadership team or deacons or whoever God establishes over the church, They don't get to lead in the way that God says to lead in this way. Instead, the people say, we don't want to go that way. You know what happened to the people of Moses? They wandered in the wilderness. God desired to take them from slavery to a land flowing with milk and honey. But the problem was, they had to wander around in the wilderness for 40 years. God said, you don't want to follow me? There were a few that did. There were a few that faithful. There were a few that said, "God, I want to do what you're leading. I want to, I want to go to where you want to lead us." And guess what? That generation was delivered, and God used them in a mighty way, and God brought them to something better. But the generation that didn't want to, God said, "If you don't want to experience nothing better, you don't have to." And they wandered around in the wilderness for 40 years, and they complained the whole time. And sometimes, as churches, we do the same thing. God wants to lead us to something better. But really, we don't want anything better. Really, we don't want to listen to what God has to say. Because that, that conflicts with what we want. Here's a news flash. Church is not about what you want. You may not have known that, but it's not. You know what? I don't like everything that's done in this church, nor any church I've ever been to. There was a church I went to in California, and I didn't like the way they did things. I wish they wouldn't have done this this way. I wish they wouldn't have done that that way. And you know what I did? Nothing. I went to church and I worshiped the Lord. Because that's what church is all about. It's not about going to a church where everything's going to be just the way you like it. Because probably aren't any churches like that that exist. So it's not about us. But we don't want to stand in the way of God. We don't want to stand away in the way of what God is doing. And here is the thing. This is tough. This is what it all comes down to in churches. Here's where all the conflict comes from. I can sum it up in one word. Change. It always comes back to that. Always. Because we don't like to change. Not just in church, but in life in general. We don't like to change. We're going to stick with what we know. We don't care what happens. We're going to stick with it. It's some people in this world talking about politics. I don't like talking about politics, but this would be a good illustration. It's some people, they are going to vote Democrat or they're going to vote Republican because that's what they've always done. That's what their family's done. It wouldn't matter if Satan himself was running on their party ticket. They'd vote for him. They'd say, well, it'd be better to vote for the evil we know than the evil we don't. And then they'd try to justify it. And that's what we do because we don't want to change. I don't want to change. I'm, I'm who I am. This is how it's always been. We don't like to change. You know what I don't like I've been using an iPhone for years. I like an iPhone. You know what? Every time, every year, they come out with a new update and you break something. Something don't work. And I don't like it. I say, this don't work like it used to work. Now it don't work. But guess what happens? I don't like it for a couple months and then they fix it. And then I'm be- it's better. And then it's better than what I had. See, I say, well, I just want to go back to the old way. But I don't want to go back to the old way the first iPhone thing was slow and-, and honking and heavy. I want the new stuff because I can do so much stuff. But I had to change every year. And it was aggravating every year. And I didn't like it every year. But guess what? It's better now. And church is the same way. We get in this rut and we say, well, church ain't never been this way. Well, guess what? The way we do church now, it wasn't this way 50 years ago. It wasn't that way 100 years ago. And it's got to continue to change. But what we do is we hinder the movement of the Lord because we don't want to change a few things. Now, you may not like it. I'm not saying you have to like everything. But what I am saying is this, is we don't have to cause a scene when we don't like something. The best way to handle a situation is not to voice your opinion in an angry way and say, I'm not going to stand for this. This ain't what I want to do. That's not the right way to do that. If everybody in this church, every time they didn't like something, stood up and made it known what they didn't like, do you know what we would have here? We would have mass chaos. Guess what? We may be on route to that right now. So we need to watch ourselves. God gave us a warning a couple months ago. I didn't know what. I know now. He said be on guard. We were at DEFCON 4. We're moving to DEFCON 3. DEFCON 3 means troops are ready. They could come in at any time. We better increase our readiness. That's what God was using Ezekiel to do for the people of Israel. He was saying you need to increase your readiness because here's what's coming. Destruction is coming. You know what I believe, though? I believe, and I may be naive, but I believe this. I don't believe that anybody in here wants to destroy the work of God. I I was going to say, if you do, raise your hand, but I ain't even going to ask. If you do, come talk to me after church. I don't believe anybody in here wants to destroy the work of God. If you're in here today, I am going to ask you to raise your hand on If you're here today and you want to see Jesus glorified, if you want to see the cross preached, Jesus Christ and Christ crucified, if you want to see souls changed, if you want to reach new people, if you think that's what church is about, I want you to raise your hand. Praise the Lord. Ain't that good? Ain't that good that we all agree with that? But isn't it silly that any time we church is trying to make a change that, 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 that may lead to something good, that may lead to something better. I said, nah, we've been running about 50 for the last 50 years. I'm happy running about 50. We make it grow, we make it reach more people, but I'm pretty happy where I am. I think we can reach more people. I think we can reach more people. But we have to be willing to change. And when change happens, notice I said when, I did not say if. Because, guess what? Changes will happen. When changes happen, even if we don't love them, if they're not unbiblical, it's okay. It's oh okay. But what we want to do is we want to, we want to keep things like they are. And then we want to say, oh, I don't understand why we're not reaching any other. I don't know why people don't want to come to church anymore. I can tell you why people don't want to come to church anymore. Because when they come to church, they see a bunch of Christians arguing about stuff that don't matter. That's why they don't want to come to church anymore. And there's no amount of, of bylaws that we can implement. There's no amount of agendas that we can put in place that's going to change that. We can write bylaws from now to kingdom come. We had a horrible split in this church. One of the worst experiences of my life about 15 years ago. And to solve that problem, you know what we did? We're going to come up with some bylaws and that's going to solve the problem. No, it's not. You know what happens when you come up with bylaws? you got more things to argue about. Well, I think the bylaws mean this and I think the bylaws mean that. Guess what? I hate the bylaws. I hate them. You know what? I'll give you some bylaws right now. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. There's your bylaws. We can take the ones we got. We can rip them up. We can throw them in the fire. And I'm done with them. Because we've got a whole Bible full of bylaws. Well, this is good stuff. I like this. I like amen. I might preach for a long time. But look, guys. The problem is not with bylaws. The problem is not with agendas. The problem, I'll tell you what the problem is. This is going to hurt. The problem is our heart. That's the problem. The problem is my heart and your heart and everybody else's heart. Because guess what? We want our way. And we say, I don't know why people don't want to go to church anymore. I don't know why people don't want to go to church anymore. We're just not reaching any young people. I was thinking about this. Here's what I was thinking about. Have you ever been to somebody's house? I can say this because none of y'all are old, but have you ever been to an old person's house and they got their couch covered up with plastic? Ain't that the silliest thing you've ever seen in your whole life? They get a brand new beautiful couch and they cover it up in plastic, right? Because they want to keep it safe. And so they'll buy this couch in 1965. It was a nice couch. And the whole time it's in plastic. And you say, hey, why don't you take the plastic? Oh, I got to keep it safe i got to keep it like it was. That's a fine couch. That couch is worth a lot of money. You know, I'm going to will that to my granddaughter when I die. I'm going to give it to her. <laughs> you know what happens when you die? Nobody wants the couch. You've kept it covered up. You've kept it what, good. It was a good couch in 1965, but guess what? Couch technology has gotten better. It's probably not that, that comfortable. It's a stinky old couch that's been covered up and kept the same for years that nobody wants. That a new generation says, I don't want it that way. That's why we're not reaching old people because we treat church like an old couch and we cover it up with plastic and say it's got to stay just like it is. I don't want to get any crumbs on it. That's what church is. We've got to rip the cover off. We've got to say, you know what? We're going to use this couch till it wears out. And when it wears out and the old way doesn't work good enough, you know what? We're going to buy a new couch. Amen. And it's not going to be like the old couch. It's not going to be it's soft. It's going to be too hard. You're not going to like the color. It's going to be too high. It's going to be too low. But guess what? We're going to sit on the couch. And when that couch wears out, you know what we're going to do? We're going to buy another couch. Amen. And that's what church is. Is you change throughout the years. You know what doesn't change? The cross of Jesus Christ does not change. When I start preaching something other than Jesus Christ and Christ crucified, we can have the most knockdown, dragout business meeting you have ever seen. But we cannot do that over stuff that doesn't matter. We cannot do that. Or else what will happen is we will destroy a church. We will destroy what God has done. You know what's good? You know what's good? How God has is, is, is worked in enterprise in the last few years? You know what's really good? I'll tell you, let me tell you what's really good. And I'm not boasting, well maybe a little, but God forgives me. But look, let me tell you what's good. Is in the last few years, we have had the privilege to go to Haiti. We have had the privilege to take suitcases full of shoes, medical supplies. We have had the privilege to see over a hundred kids and give them a hot dog and chips and they loved it. Ain't that something? We give our kids in the states a hot dog and took And we were able to give to kids that didn't have nothing. We were able to support groups like the Free Burma Rangers, a group that goes around the world to all different places and they go to people who are being abused and murdered and just have hard times and they bring them out. They love on them. They help them. We're able to go to Liberty Place Apartments every week and preach the gospel to a group of people, some of which don't get to go to church anymore. All of these things we get to do, isn't that great? You know what's great? Well, it depends on who you ask. But here, let me tell you what's great. You know what used to really bother me a few years ago? We used to look at our our financial statements, and we had over $100,000 in the bank. You know what we got in there now? $43,000. You know what I say to that? Amen. Some of you say, oh my. I say amen. You know why? Because every bit of that money was used for the kingdom of God. Every bit of it was used to buy a Bible for somebody, to buy shoes for somebody, to buy a little Debbie treat for somebody, to give it to the free Barber rangers. Every penny of that that's gone was used for the kingdom of God. Praise the Lord. I hope next month we have $1,000 in there. Wouldn't that be great? Some of you say, "Oh the Lord. Well, whatever. But look, God has done a good thing here. God has brought us together. God has used us. And God has gifted all of us in so many ways. And we need all of you as a church. All of us. But we have to work together. Amen. And the way that we've done things for the 34 years that I've been alive ain't a good way to do it. And that is every time there's a problem, first thing we do is we go talk to five or six people that hold the same view as us. Then we say, well, everybody else believes like I do. And then the first time we bring up the problem is in a business meeting. That is the worst possible way to handle a situation. Let me tell you the right way to handle a situation. Here's how we're going to handle a situation. First thing to do when you have a problem, something you don't like, is pray about it. First person we're going to is not the person sitting next to us who we know has the same view as us, who's going to agree with us. Then we're going to feel justified, and then we're going to cause problem. No first thing we're gonna do if you have a problem, if you if, if you don't like something, then pray about it. You know what might happen? God may say, You shouldn't feel that way. No, he may not. He may say, Oh, you need to go talk to the preacher about it. You know what may happen No, You know what happens sometimes when I got a problem, I pray about it? God says, You're in the wrong. I hate it when that happens. I hate it when that happens. Golly, I don't like that. First place we need to go when there's problems is to the Lord. Second place, you need to come talk to me. Just come talk to me. Just come say, I don't. Want, I may not agree with you, and we don't. We're not going to fuss and fight. And you don't have to like everything. It's okay. But you don't have to cause a fit every time there's a problem. Every time there's a change. Because guess what? Things have to change. It's just that simple. And we have a choice to make. You know. If, I was thinking about this. You know, if Jesus was preaching in most churches today, you know, I don't think Jesus would be allowed to preach, to be honest with you. I don't think that they would accept Jesus as a preacher in a church today. You know why? Because he'd he, he like change. He you was know, so how you come up with that? Read the Bible. Why do you think all the people of Jesus' day hated him? Because he didn't do stuff the way they used to do it. How dare you come in here, Jesus, and, and touch a person who is sick? Shame on you. he touch a sick person. Eat dinner with a sinner. Who do you think you are, talking to sinners? Bring a prostitute to him. Hey, look at her. She's a prostitute. Jesus, what do you got to say about that? I forgive her. I love her. What? Huh? What? You know what they did about? It? They killed him. That's what they did. They didn't like Jesus because he was pretty much opposite of everything that everybody else had been teaching. Why? Because they were more concerned about their tradition. That's what happened. And I don't remember the verse, the chapter. I'll tell you afterwards. I can look it up. But here's what happened. A bunch of these guys, they came to Jesus when they They said, oh, Jesus, hold up. Look at your disciples. Let me tell you what they're doing. You know that they're eating and they're not washing their hands before they eat. What you going to say about that, Jesus? You know what he said? He says, look, it ain't what's on the outside that's going to defile a man. If they don't wash their hands and they eat, it's not going to hurt them. Jesus said, you know what defiles a man? What comes from the heart and comes out? Oh. But that's what they say. They said, Jesus, you know, you know the words they use? They said Jesus, your disciples are not following the traditions of the other. And I don't have a problem with those things. I'm not saying we cut everything all out. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. The old stuff is good, but there's going to be new stuff, and there's always going to be new stuff. And we are going to change when we need to change for the kingdom of God. And it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Because I think that we love each other. And I think that we love the Lord. But we can't put our own desires in front of the cross. This is what it's all about. Some of you are mad because i moved the furniture today. Oh, well, guess what? It's not about the furniture. It's about the cross of Jesus Christ. That's what it's all about. Is that what it's all about for you? Is that what is most important for you? Would you rather have your way or would you rather see the kingdom of God continue to grow and reach, reach more people for Jesus Christ? You know, sad, some people, hopefully none of you guys, some people would say, I'd rather have my way. You know, I preached at a church. I'm show up. I know I'm going to walk. I preached at a church, it's been like 15 years ago, and they invited me to come to this church, and I went to this church, and it looked like a photograph from 1955. You know how many, how many members they had? About half a dozen people there. I think I was the youngest by far. next youngest was about 80. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what's happening to our church. It's just dying. Well, what are you doing? Well, we're just, we just doing like we always did. I don't understand. It used to work. Yeah, it used to work in 1955. But the world's different now. And we've got to get that. The world's different. The cross of Jesus Christ is not different, but the world is different. So we be all things to all people so that some may come to know the Lord. Let's be part of the solution. Let's not be part of the problem. Let's be a church that whatever happens going forward, let's go to God's Word. Let's go to the cross. And let's put Jesus Christ at the forefront of everything that we do. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you this morning and I thank you for your words. Dear Lord, help us to be aware. Help us to... to, Listen to the same thing that that Ezekiel was talking about, dear Lord. That is, we need to be aware that there could be times that come, dear Lord. We can't allow allow stuff that doesn't matter to affect us, dear Lord. So help us to realize what matters. Dear Lord, help us to realize it's okay for us to to not like everything, but God, it's not okay for us to to pitch a fit. So God, help us to be able to deal with things out of love with one another as a church, dear Lord God. Help us to be able just to just kind of take a deep breath, dear Lord, and to give things some time to, to, to work out. God, I pray that you just would restore this church. I pray that you'd be with this people, dear Lord God. I pray that if there's any hardness in, in, in any of our hearts, my heart included, God, that you take that out. God, I pray that you help us to work together. You have put us together. There's so much we can do. God, and we thank you for all the ministries that you've blessed us with, that we can do all these things, dear Lord. But, but God, if we don't seek you and trust you first, God, we will be so ineffective, we won't do anything. God, we don't want to be those who do nothing. God, we want to be those who do your work. We don't want to be those, God, who complain and want to stay where we are. God, we want to be those who want to be better for your kingdom, to reach more people for your kingdom. So, God, I pray that as we have this song of invitation today, as we sing, that we... God, that we put the cross before us and the world behind us. God, that maybe we just need to come down and fall on our knees and just pray and ask you for help, dear Lord. Just just ask you to bless us. Just ask you to forgive us. Just just praise you, whatever it may be, dear Lord. Just, I pray that your Holy Spirit would stir in this place today and that anyone who has a decision to make, maybe they need to come and accept Jesus Christ, God. Maybe they've never realized that Jesus died so that they could be forgiven. God, help them to get that today, to know that The church is not about meetings and not about all this other stuff we've looked at today, but dear Lord, don't don't allow that to detract from Christ. God, don't allow us to forget that we are sinners in need of a Savior. God, don't let us forget that Jesus Christ died for us so that we could be forgiven, so that we can all work together in love, God, to do your work. So God, I pray that there is one who has never accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, that today they would do that. God, just be with us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.